0: Welcome to Feels Like Home, a home, garden, and design podcast
1: with me, interior designer Sam Strzok. And me, stylist and photographer Eva Kosmas Flores. Each week, we'll bring you down-to-earth advice to help you create beauty in your living space and vibrancy in your garden. Along with insights and tips from our guests... Plus, every episode, we'll dive into listener mail and help you solve a garden or design problem.
0: So send them on over to us at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. So pull
1: up a seat and make yourself at home. Hello, everyone. I'm Eva. And I'm Sam. And this is the Feels Like Home podcast. And it's our very first episode. Woo-hoo. Yeah. We're so excited that you're here. And so that for this episode, we're just going to kind of tell you a little bit about who we are. We thought we'd do some background info um, and talk a little bit, too, about why we decided to start the podcast and also what you can expect to uh, learn from it and what we kind of hope to, to share with you guys as we go along. So we're just really excited to be here. We have some really amazing guests um, that we'll be sharing with you, too. Yeah, so Sam, I don't know if you want to kick it off, share a little about who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, my name is Samantha Struck, and I'm the owner and principal designer at Structured Interiors in Hood River, Oregon. I have a small boutique design firm, and we focus on sort of middle to high-end or high-large-scale, I guess, residential projects in Hood River.
1: What got you interested in design, I guess?
0: Oh man, that's a longer question. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, when I was a little wee little girl, uh, actually it was in high school. I sort of started developing a passion for interiors as an offshoot of taking drafting classes in high school, and then also tech theater.
1: Wait, your high school had drafting classes? Yeah,
0: totally. So I was the only girl to complete the full like set of drafting classes, and we draw anything from like engineering-based stuff, like literally a nut or a bolt in CAD, all the way through, uh, yeah, space planning in-house and residential drafting. So started in high school doing drafting and then also did tech theater where you would learn like construction methodologies for set design and stuff. So I initially thought that I would do theater design. That was like the pinnacle I was like, this is it. If I can design movie sets and stages for the rest of my life, it's great. Mm -hmm. But I did not want to have to move far away from my family. So we're all pretty much in Oregon. And um, I love just kind of the deep roots that my family has here. So decided to kind of look uh, at different design options and ended up at Oregon State University for uh, interior design. So I have a Bachelor of Science in interior design. And then um, after I graduated, lived in Singapore for a couple of years, did design fresh out of school, mostly just a drafting floor plans, um, assistant design work. And then um, after that, moved back to Oregon, worked in the Portland area for a while, and then had an opportunity to move back to Hood River, where my husband's originally from, so that he could apprentice and take over our family's. Fifth generation
1: orchard, which is so beautiful. Oh, like, thank you. it's like a fairy tale. I went to Sam's house a couple of weeks ago. And so you like get off the highway, you like drive down this, like, path that's like lined with these like well now because it's fall when we're recording like golden uh, maple trees and then you get into the apple orchard and you just drive by these rows of trees and you know again like all the fall colors happening and then there's just like Sam's beautiful house that she (laughs) built like a couple years ago like right at the end and it's right by the Columbia River so there's also like huge uh, river nearby so it's like a a little fairy tale I'm definitely going to visit a lot when I (laughs) live in that area. area. Yeah, so once we moved
0: to Hood River full-time and my husband you know, started a hard cider business, we had my first son. And then after we had our first son, Granger, he, we decided to, I took a couple years off of design in general and sort of just really pressed pause to decide what it was that I wanted for my family and for myself. And through the word of mouth in a small town, people started just asking or hearing that I did design. And so they were like, Sam, can you help me with this kitchen or can you help me with this bathroom? And it sort of just spiraled into more and more work to where I was like, I think I'm supposed to like start a business and maybe have an office and like maybe be a legit design company. So uh, that started right around 2015. And then from there, we've just like evolved into a kind of a team of five of us and really just provide beautiful spaces to people throughout the Columbia
1: Gorge. And Sam is working on uh, designing the interior of my new house. Yeah, So excited. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're amazing. And I love all that you do. And your house is so cool. (laughs) Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. It's, it was really special to get to design your own house. I feel like I I thought I knew a lot about design and construction, but then once you build your own house and you can actually like experience what the client experiences, I feel like it totally changed how we approach our projects. So,
1: because when was your house finished that you're in now?
0: It was September of 2020.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Moving during the pandemic was probably crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It was a lot. And thankfully, I literally only had to move like less than a mile down the road so i lived on the we lived on the farm while we were building the house mm-hmm. but i also had my second baby boy during that time so we moved when Penn was probably four weeks old oh, it was i do not recommend it
1: <laughs> yeah but it was good yeah and your house is amazing thank
0: you yeah so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you
1: okay <laughs> only because you asked so nicely <laughs> My name is Eva. I'm a photographer by trade, stylist, blogger. Uh, I love food. Do uh, food blogging, food photography, and I've written a couple cookbooks. I really love gardening, and I also really love interior design as well. My parents had a Greek restaurant growing up, so that's kind of where all my food stuff started. My um, love of food, and my mom's really creative, so that's how I got into more of the artistic side of things, but. In terms of interior design, it's. Uh, I was like trying to think like, okay, well, when would, did I first get interested in this? And honestly, it was um, when I was a kid, there was this thing that I guess, I don't know if it's tied to the city of uh, Portland or the state of Oregon, but there's this kind of gimmicky but really cool thing called the Street of Dreams. Oh, yes. Yes. Where every year, uh, there would be like a new neighborhood that's built. And it's like super high end luxury with like the nicest and newest things in like the world of like homes and interiors and construction. And they're just like these beautiful, gorgeous homes. And every summer for like a week, they open it up to the public. So you can like buy your ticket to the Street of Dreams and you go in the house and you get to walk through every house in the neighborhood and every room. And then in the garage of the house, they have like booklets to all the vendors and stuff so that they can like show off you know like this is where we got these beautiful window casements or whatever but I was obsessed with it as a kid so I had this like bag in my closet where I would hoard the brochures of all the like cool (laughs) vendors that I found even when I was like very small or it's like no eight-year-old like needs to know about like quartz countertops but I was keeping my favorites um and I Still, do have that in my closet in my bedroom at home. No way. Yeah. Because we would go every summer. It was like super exciting and I loved it. So, it was, I think my first taste of just like loving how being in a really beautiful space can make you feel and just like affect your mood. And because it just, oh, I just loved it so much. And so, then, you know, as I got older, you know, I started doing food photography for work and I started doing workshops through that and so I would basically go to a location rent like a really beautiful house um, have guests from all over the world come and teach them but a really fun part of that was hunting down and finding these really lovely venues because you know when you're doing photography and teaching photography it's a lot more encouraging for the students to take really cool photos if they can't or sorry to take photos that look really beautiful off the bat because it's in a super beautiful environment. So finding these really lovely places also kind of fed into that interest in interior design. And then when we bought our house here in Portland like eight years ago, because at the time I grew up here in Oregon as well. uh, And then I went to school in Los Angeles and my husband and I lived there for a few years. Uh, And then we moved back up here to Portland about seven and a half, eight years ago and got this like 1937 kind of like English cottagey type house, which w- has like great bones, but uh, design wise inside it was just very like 90s and like every room was painted like an insanely different color and all the wood work was like super orangey finished like high gloss <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it was a little bit rough, but um, that was really exciting for me because I finally got to like have a space of my own that I really could go to town on and like decorate and redo to, like exactly how I wanted it. because I'm a very visual person with like my job, you know, that's kind of like what I do. So I am really affected by where what I'm looking at. Right. So when I'm in like a really unattractive space or the colors are like super bright, it kind of like makes me anxious or, you know, like makes right. me feel frustrated. So I just wanted to have a place that really felt like home to me. So being able to do that here, um, has been so awesome. Um, cause you know, I'm sure a lot of people who've been renting their whole lives, like you understand that it can be really frustrating when you feel like you can't totally transform or do what you really want to do. So having our very first house was just such a, oh, it was just a really wonderful experience to be able to really do what we wanted. And then that's probably, I think like kind of how I got so interested in like interior design and. With gardening, my parents were both avid gardeners, and so I grew up helping in the yard, and I just have always loved plants, and that's continued on here to our house, too. That's great.
0: Yeah, your house we are currently sitting in right this minute as we are recording, and you have done a lot of work to your house Based on what you just told me it looked like when you purchased it, (laughs) there's some really beautiful clay plaster walls. There's a lot of updates that you guys have put into the kitchen and various spaces, your room upstairs in particular. So, you guys have done a lot to really put your fingerprint on this place and it's lovely. Jeremy is a masterful craftsman.
1: Yeah. Jeremy had to learn so much stuff because I wanted, you know, like a lot of wood things, but you know, when you were talking custom woodworking and things, stuff like that can get super expensive really quickly. So it was like, Jerry, can you learn to build this? So it's like actually within our budget. And then he did. And he's actually really good at stuff now. Yeah.
0: I love that about you guys. It's, you know, on my side of the table, we design things that other people bring to fruition. Whereas like you guys have really gotten in it and like brought your own vision to life. And that's like awesome. And I commend you on that one. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like us and like who we are and what our backgrounds are. And you know, we we wanted to start this podcast because we both are obsessed with design, obviously. Yes. Um, love gardening, love plants, and also we're both really interested in sustainability. And we felt like that was also kind of a voice that was maybe missing or world, especially in the podcast realm. So there are a lot of like podcasts about design and stuff, but not so much on like also incorporating sustainability, kind of looking towards the future and like how can we make things beautiful, but also functional and good for our environment as well. And that's really important to both of us.
0: Totally. I think also I, um, in thinking about why, what was my why for saying yes to this with you and kind of what would we put out there? What do we have to say? I felt like, I think that design can sometimes be such an overwhelming thing for people to grasp, or, you know, it's not uncommon for us to get questions on our team all the time, just sort of like, what, where is the starting point? How do we do this or that? Or what? I feel so overwhelmed. There's so many spaces that I want to be able to approach or tackle. And I'm a big believer in design being approachable and for people to have access to information and access to design resources in a way that is just helpful. So I don't know. I feel like the, my reason for starting in addition to everything you just said, Eva, was that I just wanted to be a resource and like use the fact that this is a sphere that I work in and give whatever I can back to
1: anyone that's interested in learning more. And yeah. Yeah, we yeah, that's a really good point is like we don't want to just talk about it from like a high end, like which I do feel like happens a lot, too, is like just talking about the best of the best. And it's like, well, that's amazing. But like not everyone has that resource to make that level of design happen. So we really want to also make sure that this is approachable and helpful for everyone, regardless of like where they live or what their budget is, that it's like you don't have to have like a crazy amount of money to hire like the best in the design world to have a lovely home that feels you know, comfortable and happy and beautiful and joyful to you. Right. Yeah. It's great. And another thing that we thought would be helpful is kind of also stitching together the design aspect of the inside and outside of the home because I feel like a lot of times we'll just focus on one or the other. Right. right. So like what's the inside of my house going to look like and kind of getting that all in order and then, oh, and now what is the outside going to look like? Like, what do I want for my garden and things? But it's so helpful, too, when you can connect the two and, like, what, you know, what does my window look out onto? Like, right, maybe I should plant, like, a really beautiful Japanese maple here because then when I'm sitting in my living room and I look out, I'll be able to look at this beautiful lush tree. And You know, kind of trying to tie in the two together. Right. Rather than just an interior design you know topic or just a garden topic, it's like you know both of those spaces are part of your home, right, so it's helpful to to think about both of them instead of just keeping them constantly separate right That's very true. I mean,
0: in our experience, we'll be hired you know let's say for it's for a new construction full service project. you actually know this Eva we're going through it right now, like yes. um. Our team, although we are an interior design company, because we take a very holistic approach on projects, we are sitting in often for exterior meetings. We're talking about materials. We're talking about colors, whatever it is on the outside of the house as it starts to transition towards the inside. So yeah, just being able to consider a space holistically, whether it's like the topography and landscape working its way towards the structure itself. And then once you enter that structure, like how does that experience stay continuous and harmonize with each other
1: yeah exactly because it's like you don't want like you know a totally different feel going from inside to outside like the inside of the house is just like totally super modern and then you go outside and it's just like no manicuring at all and looks like crazy and very unkempt like you want it to feel kind of like seamless You know, and and in line with what you want, right? Because that's also kind of the whole point of the title of the podcast is you want it to feel like home to you, like whatever that feels like to you. Yeah, so that was kind of why we decided to to start it, and then just like general interests. I have an something that I did when I was younger that I've recently taken up again and gotten really into and that's knitting. So I've been knitting a yes. lot, another yes. passion of mine. Actually just kind of general any craft. I'm a little bit of a like craft hoarder. Well, I will try anything. But most of the time I lose interest pretty quickly even though I've like gotten all the like bells and whistles for that thing. So I've yes. like tried wood carving and stone carving and printmaking and pastels and oil painting, but Few things that have stuck are definitely like well, like pastry art because I like cooking. So like I already told Sam all about like my fondant uh, cookie cutters. I'm really excited about using for pie pastry cutouts yes. and stuff. Um, but then also knitting is like a big passion. I'm really loving knitting and crafting. I know. I think I mentioned
0: to you like my I grew up with my grandma learning to knit um, in Ireland before she immigrated here. And she tried to teach me how to knit and I failed miserably at it. Like, I just can't. I start with however many stitches and I somehow end at one every time. So I just make <laughs> triangles. That's it. I'm sorry, Grandma. I failed. Yeah. Um, but it's not my not my thing. Yeah. But Ever- it is amazing. Everyone has a skill. Yes. You're actually sitting in one of the sweaters you knit. I correct? did.
1: I knit the sweater. See, that's incredible. But I did knit a lot of really bad sweaters before. This is my fourth one. And it's the only one that I will wear because the other ones all either had like a weird holes because I was dropping stitches, or like uh several have like one a sleeve is noticeably longer than the other sleeve. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just like
0: mm. But you kept going. But I did. that's impressive.
1: Yes. It's a lot of uh you should have to accept that failure is part of getting better. Yeah. Really anything.
0: That's a tough one for me. I feel like if I'm I, if I tried to make a sweater and I did a terrible job at it, I would just like,
1: okay, next, next hobby. Yeah. it is really frustrating when you spent like hours and hours and hours on something and then you put it on afterwards and you're like, this doesn't look good. Oh. <laughs> like I just spent all this dye yeah. on it and it's pretty ugly. Oh. Uh, but, you know, the nice thing about knitting though is it's like so reusable. So it's like, well, that's fine. I could just like pull the thread on this, re-spin this thread and make something else that's going to look cool. Yeah,
0: that's great. I guess for me, um, in terms of interests and hobbies, there's like two periods of time that I can think back on my life. There's pre-children and post-children, right? <laughs> so pre-children, I loved to sew. So oh, I like awesome. would sew pretty much anything. I sewed all the bridesmaids' dresses in my wedding and my husband's like vest that he wore what? and all the ties that the men wore. I was obsessed with sewing and would sew like I remember sewing my prom dress when I was in high
1: school and just like loved doing it. That is a skill that I would love to have. My mom has tried to teach me to sew so many times, but I cannot thread the sewing machine. Every time I think I've threaded it, I start sewing and the thread like it just flies off. And so threading threading gave up. Machine is what you need. Oh my God. That's a thing. So
0: That's what I have Uh, (laughs) in my garage collecting dust. But anyways, um, yeah, so I really love to sew. And I used to do like a lot of paper crafts and cricket stuff um, too. like, I don't, I don't even remember what I used to use that thing for, but I'd use it for a lot of different crafts. And then let's see what else, Uh, jewelry making, like went through a season of jewelry making. And then... Pretty much similar to you, like craft hoarder, serial craft hoarding. There's just a lot of different storage bins, boxes of different crafts that I used to do. But post-kids, I would say my current hobbies and interests, well, number one, we live on an orchard. So um, a lot of our extra time is preoccupied with kind of orchard maintenance or just helping with my husband started a hard cider business when we moved to Hood River. So we're kind of tied up into cider pressing and cider making intermittently throughout the year. And then um, really just essentially the hobbies or interests of my children. So my oldest really (laughs) loves geology and mineralogy. Eva, you know this. You just got him this like really beautiful crystal poster that he's going to like flip out over when I go home. And he's only six years old, but
1: he loves geology so much. Oh, yes. it's He's obsessed.
0: It's so, very cute. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at this point, if you held up a rock, I could tell you what it is. So <laughs> I we had some friends over a few weeks ago, and uh, Granger was like, this one is that? And he would forget. And so I'd be like, yes, yeah, sunset aura, crystal quartz, whatever. <laughs> and we went through like a series of 10 of them. And um, one of our friends was like, wow, you you must really like this a lot too. And I was like, well, uh, my son does. So I my <laughs> know all, all about it now. <laughs> so, so that's impressive. But anyways, yeah. So a lot of just time with family, time on the orchard, really just um, trying to cultivate community in, the, in our little community, in our small town. So I really love just getting to know different people or what's going on in our little town and kind of be plugged in to... current affairs and events there
1: yeah and i i love that feeling i love that small town vibe like you know we jeremy and i live in portland right now but we are working on building a house out in like stevenson area in the columbia river gorge so not too far from where sam is yep and sam's our interior designer which i think i already mentioned but um i'm really excited to move out there and just have that nice small town feeling what's it called Gilmore girls. I want to I yes. li- want to live a Gilmore girls life.
0: Well, I feel like <laughs> we're kind of partway there because now you're going to build your house like complete opposite of the river where I am, so we'd like joke, oh, I'll wave to you from across the river and stuff and so there's this like really sweet vibe that Yeah. River Stevenson that whole area has, but then you and I in particular for being like river sisters mm-hmm. across the across the river from each other.
1: I'll have to see if we can, because our friends have a telescope that they jokingly are like, well, we never use it. You guys can have it when you move out there. I'll Do have it. to see if I can see your house and like we can set up telescopes. Yes. And wave at each other. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be amazing.
0: I bet Granger <laughs> would love it. Oh, yes. He'd be totally into that. <laughs> he also wants to be a pirate. So that like telescope would be right up his
1: alley. It's right in. Yes. <laughs> and so this episode is just me and Sam, kind of like a fun intro. And there will be episodes like this, like every like um, two or three episodes, it'll be me and Sam chatting and sharing about a subject with you. But we're also going to have guests on the show, too, that Ooh-hoo. we're yeah, really excited about. So range of experts, you know, from the world of interior design and gardening and landscaping and, and all that fun stuff.
0: Sustainability, yes. green building, so- really anything that has to do with a home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so one thing that we're going to be doing in every episode is sharing our strides and our struggles for the week. Um, this episode, we kind of kind of put it towards the end of the the podcast episode because you didn't know us yet or hypothetically, you perhaps do not know us yet. So <laughs> we thought it'd be weird to just start talking about what we were doing right now. Um, but in future episodes, we'll just kind of put this at the beginning as a kind of like fun hey this is what's going on yeah kind of situation yeah so i'll go ahead and start as far as my stride uh the exteriors are coming together on the house yeah um and sam's been part of these meetings that have been going on on zoom with our architect but Really dialing in um, for the new house that we're building in Stevenson, what the outside is looking like, and it's really coming together. Uh, we ended up going with like vertical siding that's pretty much black, because Jeremy and I went to Iceland over the summer, and we got really inspired by the traditional Icelandic houses there, which are just like vertical black siding but with white trim, which is really pretty. We'd love to do white trim, but unfortunately. We're in this place called the National Scenic Area, which Sam knows all about. It's like <laughs> basically uh, a zone where there's really strict building guidelines about what buildings can look like because you want to preserve the natural beauty of the area and not have like a red house like stand out. Um, so we can't do white tram, which is totally fine, but uh it's just gonna be, yeah, really elegant, slick black structure with really dark stone along the waterline that it's going to look pretty great. So I'm, I was just really excited to see yeah. it kind of take shape. And in the mock ups that Dylan, our architect, made, it was, it just felt really good to see that. Yes. Yeah. So my
0: stride for this week is that we signed a new project in Hood River, Yay! which is great. Literally, contract signed today. And we're really looking forward to it. I think you know, we've just been in like crazy flux this year with the business. And so um, we're starting to kind of reach that point where we get to be a little bit more selective about the projects that we get, which is such a privilege. And I feel so grateful for that. But Mm -hmm. um, it's got a really good build team that's on it. And we're just really excited to get to play
1: with this house. Yeah, that's always nice when you get to that point in your like creative career because I had like the same thing with food photography as well like when instead of just saying yes because you are like well I just need this client or this new job you get to really be choosy about picking the ones that are really right for you and stuff that you're actually really excited about it feels really good
0: yeah no it's great we're really looking forward to getting into it and we'll be doing a kickoff meeting actually tomorrow and then nice kind of gearing up on it so it's exciting yay cool so let's about struggles
1: yes the struggles my struggle is uh this is now pruning season so actually one of the questions that we were submitted for lesson or mail was about pruning but i'm just going to kind of talk about it in here because it is my current struggle uh pruning for a lot of plants is best done when the plant is dormant so right now in january it's total prime dormancy time here in the northwest so my grapevine which is like absolutely insane. I need to trim back so badly. Uh, I planted a grape just thinking, I don't know how old my vine is now, maybe five years ago. And I was like, oh, it'll be so nice to have grapes. Um, You know, I'll just like trim it a little. It'll be fine. But I did not realize that you really have to trim grape grape vines so aggressively once they get to a certain age because they will take over. Like I can't even walk through half my garden in the summer because the vines grow so fast and just take over like I have, or I had these nice little like rows between my vegetables with pretty stone pavers, but the grapevines are just so aggressive that they took over the entire one of my like four garden rows. So I just can't even go down that in the summer. So I really need to buckle down and prune the heck out of this grapevine, which also then was just going so crazy that I didn't even realize it had. One of the vines was touching the ground near our beehive and grew roots there. So now it's rooted in two different places. Oh, geez. So I'm like debating, like, should I dig up this cut, like cut it from the main root and dig that up and give it to a friend or something or save it for when we move to Stevenson and just cut up the rooted one that's smaller and leave the other one behind. But I always have a hard time with pruning because I don't know if it's like... A, t- a hard time of like letting go of things, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to like trim it back so much that it's going to really hurt the plant and it's not sure. going to recover. But with some plants like grapes, you just have to really trim them back a lot, like more than you feel comfortable with, because they'll just you know bounce back from it because they're just really aggressive growers. Sure. Um. But so that's my struggle. is just like, how do I trim this grapevine that's going crazy and is so big? I know it's going to be a lot of work. And then just feeling like I'm going to accidentally damage it, even though I know it's long term, very much best for the plant. But it's been hard. I cannot
0: relate about landscaping stuff right this second because our house, um, even though we finished it last year, we just are working with a landscape architect right now to get oh, our nice. plan put together. Yay. So that'll be next spring that we roll out sort of the plan around the house. Um the goal was just to get in the house with new baby. So yeah. <laughs> um our current landscape literally is just like all scotch broom and blackberries. So oh, man.
1: It's exciting. Yeah. Well that's gonna be great though when you get all that stuff out. Yeah and then nice new plants in. If you need a grape vine I can help um, you out with
0: that. We have like a few wild grapevines <laughs> that are from when the farm was like I don't know, first or second generation. Oh, so, so we cool. have like wild concord grapes ah. and different grapes
1: that have just were let go in the farm. That's so awesome. And they are wild. So Are they um, like tucked away in the forest or are they still kind of by the house? At, the
0: they're area? by. So if you're like driving down to our house mm-hmm. um and then you kind of there's like a Y on our property and if you go left on the Y that's where you get to my mother-in-law and the cider facility. It's there's like this wood bridge. Uh but if you hang a right and you head to our house then you follow kind of parallel to the train tracks and they're literally between the train tracks and the road right there so that entire like run on the way to our house is like just tons of concord grapes so i don't think i need any more grapevines. you don't need grapevines
1: sorry If I have any other cuttings, I'll brainstorm. I could probably do rose cuttings. Got some pretty great David Austin roses, and they're very fragrant.
0: So our site is a little bit complicated because we are on a septic there, obviously, because we're removed from the city. Um, And our septic takes up almost our entire plot. So like the drain lines and the tank. So. I, all I know about it is that we can't have anything that like
1: has deep roots. Okay. You know, because it'll crush the lines. Got so it.
0: I'll whatever that, that means. Yes.
1: Yeah. De- definitely no trees, probably no large shrubs, but maybe smaller shrubs. Yes. But I'm sure your landscape architect will know and they'll be able to figure that out you for know, you.
0: She is great. Um, But I'm kind of a lost cause when it comes to plants. So <laughs> don't judge me guys. Sorry. <laughs> I try. It's fine. But. Maybe you can teach me how to do this better.
1: Yes, I will. <laughs> I will be at your house waiting for you. Great. Wake up and be like, why are you here? <laughs> Great. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what I mean. Excellent.
0: Cool. So then for my struggle, um, I think kind of the biggest hurdle that we're up against right now, mostly business related, is uh, just supply chain issues and material shortages and delays. So we've just really had a tough last you know, six to eight months of anything that we're picking or selecting on a project, really not knowing if it's going to show up on time or if it's just going to like randomly get discontinued. So that's made this year super challenging and it's not fun to navigate, but we're seeing like things slowly make a turn and things kind of get a little bit more steady. But yeah, it's just been kind of wild to have to help builders navigate getting product to the job site, especially in a small town like even labor shortages in the Portland area have made it difficult to get drivers to deliver product out to Hood River. So Yeah,
1: cuz it's like a an hour and a half drive from the right. city. Yeah.
0: So, you know, oftentimes product will come into Portland, but then it'll sit there for 2-3 weeks before we can get it out to Hood River unless we figure out a company to go pick it up or whatever. So, it's not like glamorous work, but it's definitely a big issue in the build world right this second.
1: Yeah. I'm a little nervous about that for our building project in Stevenson, but I'm, I know that with our team, like we're also conscious of the fact that everything's taking like twice as long right. as normal, that we'll be able to figure it out. And we have so much time. Today, yes. So time is on your side, my friend. Yay. That's good. <laughs> so now we're gonna dive into some listener mail. cool. And if you would like to submit a question, we would absolutely love to answer it here. It can be anything about interior design, garden, home. you can send it over to Feels like podcast at gmail.com and feel free to be super descriptive, especially if it's like a space you need help with. like the more descriptions you can give the better. And even better, if you can attach a photo, we'll be able to be, yeah, really accurate with um, giving you tips on that space, too. So feel free to send it over. So we're going to be doing an interior question and a gardening question. Yes. So I'll go ahead and start off with the gardening question. And this is submitted by Lee from L.A. And she asks, what are the best fruits or vegetables to plant that don't take a lot of water or maintenance? That's a really good question. So definitely I would recommend looking into the native plants in your area. So Lee, you're in Los Angeles. um, So prickly pear cactuses are gonna be great. Those are uh, fruiting cacti that give you these super delicious, juicy, sweet fruits. But if you want non-natives, Citrus Goes, grows really well in L.A., doesn't need as much water. Basically, if you are planting like a shrub or a tree, it's going to usually need less water than something like a tomato plant, you know, like vegetable gardens tend to need more water. So if you're planting something that's an annual, not something that you plant once a year, that is going to typically need more water. Whereas perennials, things that just are there all year round, um, you know, like trees and shrubs, they're not going to require as much water or maintenance. They're going to be hardier because they have deeper root systems. Whereas when a plant has a really shallow root system, it's a lot more sensitive to drought. So it needs a ton more water. Um, So I would just stick with some shrubs and some trees. And if you want to enjoy eating them, which is what it sounds like, I would stick with uh, like fruiting ones. Like I know pomegranate's great. You also could probably maybe do some date palms, although those take quite a while to produce. You could do more uh, like bananas. I've seen banana trees in LA before. So just kind of keeping in mind tropical plants, plants that survive in really hot, dry environments and are like more tree shrub oriented because basically any sort of vegetable you plant even if it is heat loving like a tomato or a pepper or an eggplant you know you can blast those with sun all day but they do definitely require a lot of watering maintenance so if you do decide to go with those just keep in mind it's going to be a little bit more work but yeah
0: okay um okay so an interior design question submitted by Alyssa in hood river actually your question was how to implement storage in a super open floor plan that has no built-ins? So this is a little bit of a tough question to answer without like pictures or a layout. So I'll have to speak in generalities here a little bit. Um, you know, I think in general, I tend to avoid adding a ton of visual obstructions to a huge open room or an open space in general. So I would be hesitant to add like Big bookcases or aftermarket cabinets, um, if we're talking about storing you know, kid stuff or coats or boots or things that you essentially want hidden. Now if you're wanting to store beautiful things, antiques, collectibles, I think that's a little bit different because you can typically do something that's clear, like bookshelves that have open space, so it doesn't feel quite as visually heavy. But then aside from more beautiful things that you'd be storing, if we're just talking about like nuts and bolts. Functional storage for a family. I would tend to look for it within the pieces that we already have in the room. So, if we're talking about um, a couch, I would look for a couch that like has lift-up storage in um, part of the chase, or like you can put toys in there, blankets in there, for example, or coffee tables that yeah. have storage built into them. So, really look for pieces that you can that can serve a dual purpose for your family or for whatever storage you're trying to look for. And then I also think that you can add storage in uh, big rooms by making, like essentially furring out the wall and making it like two feet deep and building out that entire wall system in a way that looks more like cabinetry or finished. So Mm -hmm. let's say it's like a media cabinet or a media section that has a TV and cabinets with it, but then goes into tall storage where you can hang coats, boots, you know, put all the things that you need for your family kind of hidden away. But then that wall system reads as an entire system rather than it just being like a tall cabinet stuck against the wall. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So it's like kind of like a cohesive thing. Is it kind of like the stuff you look at at Crate and Burrow where it's like a shelf kind of like set thing yes. that comes together? Modular. Yeah, right? modular. Yes. So
0: you can... Create an entire system that feels connected to the space itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't read like this really heavy thing that you just stuck against a wall that sticks out into the room in a way that feels weird. Yeah. So storage is always a really tricky one. I feel like a lot of our a lot of our work in Hood River is based around mudrooms and just storage needs in general. We have like pretty wide seasonal shifts with like. So we've got a lot of, you know, we've we've got a river and then two mountains on either one. Well, one mountain on either side of the river. So um, we've got lots of like snowboarding, ski gear. We've got river sports. So kiteboarding, windsurfing. And oftentimes people want to be able to pull some of that gear into the house, whether it's like coats or hats or gloves or ski pants or boots or whatever. So some of that, yes, is mitigated through the garage, but then the rest of it, like people have in their space so it's funny because I we joke in the office like people come to us mostly to design their mudroom and then <laughs> we end up designing the rest of their house as a result so um storage is kind of a big deal and it's tiff it's difficult to assess like exactly where to put it or how we'd integrate it without a picture so send us pictures yeah send
1: us those pictures i know like uh for this first s- uh, session of listener mail i put out a call it on instagram because we uh you know we haven't started it yet. Yes. So <laughs> So we had like short little ans- uh, questions. But yeah, feel free to submit detailed questions and send us pics of that space. Right. Uh feels like home podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um and then about storage stuff like End table storage is so hard to find now. Like Jeremy is literally building us an end table right now that has storage built into it because we couldn't find one on the internet that was like decent because they're all either have no storage and are just like a fancy brass like stand or they have open shelving. And like for me, the whole point is like I want to be able to put all my like whatever my current knitting project is, which just looks like a bunch of tangled yarn, like away and out of sight. Right. But I don't want it to be an open shelf. So I have to like look at it the whole time. So please, people making furniture, make more end tables (laughs) that have like closed doors so you don't have to look at all the stuff that's inside of it. Right.
0: Or just dual purpose furniture too. I feel like that's lacking in general as well. So let's make some really awesome coffee tables and sofas or, you know, sofas with pull out drawers instead of like lift tops. That's like a brilliant idea. If you could make the skirt of a sofa pull out as a drawer rather than having to lift the chase like that would be so nice brilliant for families so i feel like we're constantly putting pens toys away all the time because i just don't like seeing them all the time so yeah yeah
1: oh another a nice storage option that looks nice and is pretty effective are like lidded woven baskets yes you can like find really cute woven baskets all over the internet etsy whatever But they need to have a lid. Otherwise, you're still looking at the top of whatever you've stuffed (laughs) into the basket.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think other, let's see, any other random storage solutions for big spaces. I'm always a big fan of like an entry section
1: that has like hooks, cubbies.
0: Yes, especially
1: for shoes because I feel like those always just pile up by the door and then you end up tripping on them. It just looks really cluttered. Yeah, a cubby to like shove the shoes in is key. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for sending in those questions, everybody. We got a lot of questions submitted, so uh, we'll also be answering some of those nice, short, and sweet questions on our Instagram uh, as well. So you can find find some fun answers if you submitted something, or you just want to keep learning. We're at Feels Like Home Podcast on Instagram as well. Awesome, and I think that's everything <laughs> for our first episode. Woo! I feel like we talked a lot longer than we thought we would. But, yeah, yeah, I had fun. And me and- too. I'm really excited to share this with you guys. So thank you so much for listening and for being here. We really appreciate it. We're really excited about the guests that we have too lined up. So, yeah. It's going to be really special. Yeah. We have um, some pretty, pretty great guests Jessica Helgerson mm-hmm. and Brian Thackeray from JRA. Mm-hmm. So, we've got a little bit of interior design and a, a little bit of um, like sustainability in design as well. So, yeah. Be really interesting. So yes. These
0: yeah. are a few of our favorite things. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well thanks guys. Take care and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really
0: helps. You can find our show notes with resources and links at feelslikehomepodcast.com Podcast.com.
1: For design advice, send in your listener mail at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at feelslikehomepodcast. The Feels Like Home podcast is produced by Jeremiah Flores and hosted by interior designer Sam Strzok and styles and photographer Eva Cosmos-Flores. Thanks so much for tuning in
0: and stay cozy, friends.